Welcome to the Who and What She Wants podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Ward, and each week I will be interviewing an inspirational female entrepreneur so that you can take away actionable tools and insights to enable you to build the business of your dreams. Whether you're first starting out building your own business, or if you have entrepreneurial dreams that you don't know how to make a reality, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm super excited to welcome the incredible Lizzie to the show. This incredible female entrepreneur is the founder of Lizzie's on the Green, the award-winning cafe and bakery that champions community spirit. Today, we're going to deep dive into Lizzie's entrepreneurial experience, and she is going to share with us how her background has helped to define the businesswoman she is today. For anyone wanting to work within the world of hospitality, Lizzie's story will help inspire you to chase your dreams and follow your passion. Welcome to the show, Lizzie. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Hello, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me. Hello there. So lovely to have you on. I've been looking forward to this all week. I know, me too, actually. <laughs> so the highlight of my week, to be fair. So I'm very looking forward to getting into this one. Um, I thought just to kick off the interview, it would be amazing if you could just give us some background into how you founded Lizzie's on the Green. Yeah, of course. So um. Lizzie's on the Green started seven and a half years ago. I cannot believe we are starting our eighth year in July. So that's very exciting. Um, and it was it was a big journey. So I trained originally as an actress. So I was an actor for 10 years and I was mostly doing comedy um, and I was in a comedy duo. And obviously as an actor, you don't earn a huge amount of money. So I always needed a little side hustle. So I um, had a from home cake baking business. And when I moved to London, uh, because of the duo, um, the London scene in terms of cafes and coffee and flat whites and latte art just absolutely wowed me. So I went around every cafe I could in East London with little cake samples. And um, and sooner rather than later, I was baking three times a week for eight cafes from a little domestic oven in my kitchen at home. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. And it built me up an amazing uh, kind of base with lots of baristas and um, people who worked in these cafes. You know, I was working at home on my own with only the radio to listen to. And by the time I actually got to see people for a delivery, I was so overwhelmed with excitement to see humans that they all became my friends. So it became this beautiful lifestyle. And um, but soon it became quite overwhelming with how many cakes I was baking, like literally on a Friday I'd have cakes from the floor touching my ceiling and it my poor flatmates I don't know how they dealt with me that that time it was madness I was still icing cupcakes at two in the morning and then back up at six to deliver them and um so luckily a friend's father just um saw this empty kiosk in uh Newington Green and sent me a photo of it saying this is owned by the council. I'm not sure if you're interested. Um, you should apply. And I did, not thinking much of it, to be honest. Um, and next thing you knew, I was, you know, inside the council with a big panel of people being interviewed. And I, my interview, I remember it was at four o'clock in the afternoon. I thought, hmm, what do people like at four o'clock in the afternoon? I know, cake. So... <laughs> Yeah, I like to think I seduced them a little with uh, a very large selection of cupcakes, which we enjoyed throughout the meeting. Um, and uh, it's interesting because they didn't originally offer it just to me alone. Um, they actually offered it to me to work in partnership with another another young man that had um, applied for the cafe. And I really felt unsure about it. I didn't know him. and. Um, with the very little money I had to set up the business, I didn't want to risk going into anything with someone I didn't know very well. I was I had had years of experience um, working, managing patisseries and waitressing and um, uh, supervising bars. And, you know, I've really done pot washing. I've done everything in the hospitality industry since, you know, I started working when I was 13. And I thought, you know what, I can't 
put my trust in someone I don't know. So they actually originally offered it to him. And, um, you know, obviously I was I was upset, but I remember quite clearly being at Glastonbury Festival, sat on my bag waiting at uh, Castle Kerry train station to get a coach into the festival and the phone rang. And it was the council saying, Lizzie, I think you know what we're going to say. And uh, it turns out this gentleman had decided it was too much for him. And they, before he'd even got started, so they handed it to me. And that was the start. I had, I finished Glastonbury, got back. And seven days later, I opened Lizzie's on the Green on the largest day of the year, which is Jazz on the Green, this festival that we hold once a year. So there must have been about 1,300 people in the park on my first day that I opened. Oh, wow. And I, I literally went from getting the keys to opening in seven days. I, I mean, it was madness. I didn't think I ate or slept for a week. But, um, you know, that first day we had an alcohol license. We had ice cream. We had a full kitchen. I was fully staffed. I had a coffee machine. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Amazing moment. Oh my god, that sounds so good. Just to kind of like go, but I've got so many notes from this just because there was so much he said, and I was like, oh, I want to know more. So just sort of like with the council application, because I can imagine that is so daunting. Like us personally, someone who's never had to make any kind of application like that before, the thought of it just kind of terrifies me. Were you nervous like having to do something like Absolutely. that? I mean, it's one of these things where, you know, it's only on looking back that you when you look at it, you think oh look at my little baby application you know it looks like it literally <laughs> looks like you know a GCSE um coursework you know it looks but maybe not even GCSE maybe something you do in year seven I mean I genuinely didn't really know what I was doing I'd never put together um you know a presentation you know to apply for anything in my life so I just had to go with my gut and think right what do I believe in what do I want to let them know about me so basically what I had to do was um, propose to them my vision and I only had paper to do that with so of course with paper you can use images you know I would gather all the images that I could from the internet that described my world that I saw within the cafe basically and um, and all, wanted them to know all my ethos about you know recycling no waste this kind of thing that is obviously I'm very passionate about as anybody should be I think when you're opening a new business you need to be on top of all the new ideas you know the new technology there's no point opening a new business you know sticking with the old you have to be on top of what's happening in the moment that you're opening I think that's really important um, because mm -hmm. I think about how much it's all everything has developed in the eight years that I've been open you know I started with a very plinky plonky till and now we've got you know a really schwizzy uh, epos system and you know things things like that that are very different um but yeah the whole point of a proposal is to show them that you know a bit about figures so a little bit about forecasting and that can be very simple as much as this is how much a sandwich is going to cost me to make. This is how much I'm going to sell it for. This will be my margin. And if I sell this many in a day, that means I could potentially sell this many in a week, this many in a month, this many in a year. And it's, it's you know, just very, very basic work to let them see that you know how to make a profit. Um, so, you know, they can see that you're understanding extra costs and um that that was as basic as it was when I first applied um I've since then done a proposal for uh, other cafes and I now actually help other people do that as um I started a consultation side to the business and um because that initial thing is daunting but I think you can't go wrong when you have your idea it's your own conviction and there's power with that so as long as you uh, honestly you, you don't I wouldn't just try and bullshit your way through it I think you should just be honest with your skill level and what you can do because you know with that you know you're not going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes you're not going to get caught out and then also you have to put the potential to learn which is the gift that I had I I learned as I went along and luckily I had the council support and they trusted me to be able to figure it out as I went along too which was amazing 
I love that. And I love what you said where the application that you made at the time, it was very reflective of you. So like you used a lot of imagery and obviously you took cakes with you and you made it very personable. And I think often when you when you start a business now, even if you're starting a brand, I feel like there is a lot of crossover between nowadays like with what you said about sort of keeping up with the current way that businesses are moving and I feel like now there's a really close correlation between personal brand and brand and they're almost starting to intertwine a little bit like when you're a business owner I don't know if you feel the same but I do feel like now my business feels like almost an embodiment of me um whereas before I feel like the older way of doing business was almost like your business was a completely separate entity to you and it wasn't you know, like you did all the stats and the figures, but it wasn't a kind of an extension of you as such. I don't know. Do you agree I do. with that? There's, um, I've got several thoughts on that, really, because um, the cake business that I had from home was called Impetti Coco. And I don't even know if that makes sense in French. I actually think that that is just me being like, I think, I, I, think <laughs> um, I probably just watched Coco avant Chanel and I just really loved it. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's make it Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair that's a good a reason as any let's do it you know it was like oh I love her um and uh so I carried I wanted to um consider calling taking that cake and it was an established name for the cake business around the area so I considered taking that in, into the cafe um but then I called it Lizzie's on the green and um, that was quite a big shift because for the first, I think maybe the first year, actually, the cakes on the cafe counter were still labelled as Mpeti Coco Cakes. And I was trying to keep the cake company as a separate entity from the cafe itself. And I think that was a learning mm. process until I realised that, no, it really all had to be one um, because I was delivering the cakes. We were still making deliveries to different cafes uh, from making cakes at the at the at the kiosk um, and mm. it was getting a bit confusing I think for people so is this Lizzie's or is it and Petit Coco and um, but the one thing that I will say is I do as much as I absolutely love the fact that it's called Lizzie's people look for Lizzie they look for me they look for um, you know a connection with me and the business, which is amazing for a community cafe. It's fantastic. Everybody wants to come and be part of that community. But I do think that you have to be careful in terms of, for example, when I'm not there um, for any extended amount of time, say I'm working with a client on a consultation job or I'm working at a different cafe or I'm taking a holiday. If I'm not there, sometimes I do get concerned that there's a level of disappointment in terms of them having the same connection to the brand. And, mm, yeah, and that, I understand that. That's, that's not a weird ego thing like, oh, if I'm not there, no one wants to come. That's not what I mean. It's like people like people do buy into a brand. And so they're buying into me, essentially. And I do wonder sometimes if that's a mistake I've made because it makes it very difficult to franchise and to ever build out. It means that um there's only so much I can be stretched like uh yeah both, both physically but also like um in people's minds they're going to be like well it's not it's not the same is it it's not like Lizzie's going to be there every day so it's not like I could have a million cafes called Lizzie's and it be the same kind of business it means it it so yeah that's something to think about when you brand like how much you how much you can logically and realistically um be a part of it mm, I love that thank you for sharing that I think especially because you've got so many years of wisdom very, as well running a business I think that's <laughs> so insightful like for everyone that's thinking of starting because branding can be one of the most daunting parts of kind of like when you first start out I find just because it feels like a lot of pressure have you had many iterations of your branding over um, the years I well, first of all, don't be afraid to get it wrong. You know, I got it wrong. I had Lizzie's on the Green Anne and Petit Coco for a year. Um, and, you know, I and then I changed that. And that's not a bad thing. It, it takes about five years to really be established in any business. I genuinely believe that. Now I've hit that five year mark and I'm two years, two and a half years on from that. I really do believe that. Um, but I've, first of all, trust a designer. 
go find a designer that you really like. I, I used my friend um, at Bow and Arrow Press who were unbelievable. I'd known her since we were 16. I mean, she's such a talent. And, and I handed, I know nothing about design. And I was like, right, I need this. But she knew me so well that I was like, right, I try and put me in a in a logo, for example. Logo is everything. And um, and we worked on it together until we were both happy. And that shifted slightly when I owned a, a second cafe called Lizzie's at the Coal House. And then we we had a separate uh, logo for that. And then on my business cards, she very cleverly kind of intertwined the two. That kind of expertise is not my field. I'm great at making cakes. I'm great at recipes. I'm great at making coffee and, you know, having a warm, welcoming environment and love managing people. Design is not my thing. I always hand that over to my team who have got better handwriting than me, <laughs> you know, better decorating skills. <laughs> Sometimes you do have to be very realistic with what your strengths are and where your weaknesses lie. Mm, I love that you've mentioned that. See, that's quite an interesting topic in itself. So when you were first starting out, were you quite happy to kind of invest in um, outsource, sort of outsource work for your business, even though it was kind of an upfront cost in the early days, perhaps when you weren't making as much money? Because I know that is something that people can often really sit on the fence with. They're like, oh, no, I can't afford to hire anyone yet. I'll just do it myself. But then they kind of burn out and maybe don't get the results that they want because, like you say, it's not their yeah, skill set. I, in terms of staffing, do you mean? Yeah, kind of things like so, yeah, branding or say, for example, like you're really crap with accounts and spreadsheets and like you'll maybe sit on the fence thinking, oh, should I get an accountant or should I just do it myself? Like where do you kind of sit on the fence of should you invest early doors in your business on outsourcing or do you think that to an extent you can kind of get away well, with doing it yourself? Just, you've just got to be honest with yourself. If um for example, a cafe, there's no way anyone can run a cafe on their own. I mean, you'd be highly limited to what you can actually do. And sometimes um, the more people you have working on a shift, sometimes you can make more money because you're serving faster, more efficiently. Um, it takes a while to find that balance. But I think as long as you've costed everything properly, you can, you can trust yourself to know when's the right time to send someone home when's the right time to employ that next member of the team um you know sometimes it is good to start small and then build it up like for the first year I didn't have any china cups or plates or anything because I wasn't sure if I could afford um afford them <laughs> but also afford that person that needs to do all the washing up um so you know the, the business definitely um improved and scaled up you know you, there is a there is a I, I guess yeah. I haven't thought about that for a while but there was definitely scale scaling up so when I look back at photographs of the cafe you know it looks so different um in terms of like the quality of some of the things that I had out everything was nice but it wasn't you know I can afford now to buy better tables and chairs that just look a little bit nicer you know it's like you can only you know I opened this is on the green with two thousand pounds. That's all I had. So, but there are things that you can do. You know, I outsourced my coffee machine that was rented; it wasn't bought. So, um, uh, you know that. And then the staff. I was very lucky with the staff because I kind of did a, a Batman call uh, to all the barista friends that I'd met through delivering cakes across East London, and said, you know, would anybody like to come and work here? I'm opening a cafe. And loads of them did. And it was just so amazing. I was very, very lucky with that. I'm very fortunate because, you know, they were excellent baristas. And with them is a personality and a familiar face that people came to me and went, oh, they're working here. That means the coffee must be good. You know, it's like, um, yeah, so there are yeah. elements of that. that is, <laughs> I'm incredibly grateful about that. You know, I was very lucky. Um, but, you know, things like, having a cheap till you know to start with I didn't need a fancy EPOS system to start with I needed something that could accurately record the takings but you know technology has moved on a huge amount in eight years now you can you know with QuickBooks and iZettle and all sorts of things you know you can do it all from your mobile phone so you know 
scale up, start realistic and scale up, I think is definitely the thing. But in terms of branding, you'd be amazed what your mates can help you with as well. Like don't be shy to call out for favors because in general, most people do want to help you. And if like, for example, my coffee supplier, my bread supplier, you know, they want you to, they want you to succeed as well because it means better custom for them. So don't think that everyone's against you to fail. Most people are there to help you. Oh, I love that. I think it's so nice as well because you have had so many years of business experience. You're kind of coming from it from both angles. You can remember where you started out, but also you can kind of see the journey of how you then got to scale to where you are today. So I think that will be so inspiring for everyone um, that's listening. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, would you say? Do you know what? It's one of those things. I mean, when I was little, I just dreamt of being Kate Winslet. And I <laughs> 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 didn't. And, we all. <laughs> um, you know, I went. As soon as I finished drama school, I started in this comedy duo. And um, that was my full time job. You know, we were gigging all week. And I, you know, I, I suddenly realized that I'd been self-employed pretty much my whole life. Um, I'd worked in the bars and restaurants and uh, lovely little cafes and things. Um, but in general, I had always been self-employed actor first and then with the cake company. Um, and, and now with the cafe, I just can't imagine not being an entrepreneur now. It's really weird. I've never, like, I haven't had holiday pay or sick pay in years, like years. And it's so weird to me being this kind of self-employed person that has, at one point, I had 23 members of staff and, you know, two big businesses. And I was thinking to myself, how has this happened? But I can't imagine having someone being my boss, which is really weird. And sometimes I crave it and I think god wouldn't it just be lovely for someone to tell me what to do and then me just have holiday and the money still be in my account and you know have the benefits of you know sick pay and never have that worry over me but I guess it's all I know really so um yeah it's it's weird it's never something that I said would say I aspired to be but now that I'm in it mm. I can't imagine anything different so that's a bit scary, you know, being, you know, being my age and thinking how much more of my work life I've got ahead of me. I mean, you know, can I keep this up um, or will I get an, a job for somebody else? And what would that job be? You know, that I still have these questions rolling around my head. But um, if you have got the fire inside you to be an entrepreneur, you've got to go for it. It's it's so important that you with anything in life, if you just dedicate yourself to what you really want, I don't see how you can go wrong, really, because anything that you want, you care about. And with care comes research and comes, you know, correct methods to to get to what you want to achieve. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. I also love as well that you highlighted the point of the difference between being mm. employed versus self-employed, just because... I never really thought about it. And when I took the plunge to start my own business, I'd always, always work for um, like corporate companies or, you know, other businesses. And I had never, ever thought of the reality of like not getting paid sick pay and stuff. And I remember last year after I just started my business, I was like three months in, and I wasn't feeling very well and I couldn't work that day because I was really poorly. And I, you know, when you kind of, and then like I thought about it a few days later and I was like, oh God, I've earned no money this like, today because I've not worked. And it was the craziest thing. It was almost like I'd forgotten that that was a thing. And when it dawned on me, it was so eye-opening. So I was like, okay, yeah, now I need to factor this into like my year plan. So I know that if I'm going to take a holiday or anything, I've like accounted yeah. for it financially. I mean, that, that is that is tough. And also, but also comes the other amazing thing is that you can decide when you do want to have a break and you can and you don't have to ask anybody you know that's that's fantastic that's definitely a huge benefit <laughs> yeah definitely it's so liberating and I think even being able to kind of like schedule your own work week as well is just such a great thing I know you've kind of mentioned as well that obviously over the years you've hired quite a you know quite a high number of staff what would you say have you got any tips for how to successfully hire team members and you know be able to 
invest in people that are going to really be a great that asset to your business? A really fantastic question. Um, and one that me and my team discuss all the time, actually, at the cafe. Um, first of all, genuinely, <laughs> I mean, you've got to trust your gut. I always say to myself that I can train people to do the job. I can't train people to be honest, kind and caring. And you just, I just really believe that if you employ good, nice people, you can train the rest. And um, I mean, maybe, maybe some people listening to that might think, well, that's a bit naive, but you, obviously you still need to be the skills, but, and obviously, you know, the skills do need to come, but I'd much rather work with great people that keep me inspired every day and keep bringing passion to the job um, who love constantly learning, learning how to bake a new cake, learning how to do the perfect milk, learning how to um, deal with a situation in the cafe when I'm not there and feeling like they really owned it. Um, building people's confidence. I love employing young people. I love employing people that have never had a job before. Um, who are so apologetic when they first start I'm sorry oh I'm sorry and you know working with them for a few months and then suddenly noticing that they're not apologizing anymore that they're owning their job and things like that are highly rewarding as a manager um I'm definitely work I believe needs to be a good fun place especially in hospitality it's not the, a well-paid job um you know and it's hard graft I think a lot of people think when they want apply for a job in a cafe especially my cafe they think oh this looks like a fun place to work um I'm going to apply but you know we're always having a laugh and a joke and that's because we're you know we all love each other to bits but behind that is a really tough gritty dirty sweaty hot job that is hard hard and hard to keep doing day after day after day and um if we weren't all good, fun people, I think we'd struggle. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm making sense there. but uh... mm. Yeah, no, 100%. So much sense. I think that's um, that will be really insightful as well for anyone that's kind of at that pivotal moment yeah. of wanting to hire staff and not knowing. It. And it's so interesting. So I feel like it's come up a few times, actually, within our conversation of how yeah. important it is and to listen I to your gut. But on the same that time, kind of intuition. I, I would highly recommend for everybody to know their HR side of things. I actually have outsourced an HR company for me, which basically I pay once a month and um, often I don't need them. But for those times that you do, they are on the phone 24 hours a day. And if you do have a problem with a member of staff, they are there to help you and cover you legally. And I do think that is absolutely crucial for anybody to know because um you know I've been burnt with a couple of bad members of staff you know I've been incredibly lucky that in eight years I can I can't even fill one hand with that but when those times have come knowing that I had um the law on my side and knowing how to go ahead with procedures and things was so helpful so don't underestimate that and the power of contracts you must contract your team it is so important because it no matter how good friends you are everybody knows where they stand it is so important for your employees to know where they stand legally it's not just for you it is so important for them that they know what they're entitled to and that they they have the power to use it and feel empowered by their contracts i feel very uncomfortable when i hear about all these people being on zero hour contracts or being um oh we never signed anything you really must have a contract with whatever job you have. And if you are an employer as well, it protects you, it protects them. Everyone knows where they stand. And uh, yeah, can't recommend outsourcing HR enough if you're not confident with it yourself. Mm, I feel like a lot of people will be taking notes at this point because it is probably something that we don't always think about. But um Obviously, you always hope that an issue will never arise with a member of staff. But like you say, you never know. Things do crop up. And it's always nice to feel like you are protected and that you're not kind of out well, to sea by yourself, might, like trying to exactly. get yourself Sometimes you might have an off. idea about something and then, you know, you'll speak to them and realise that you're wrong. And, and then you but then you've learned. And, yeah. you know, knowledge is power. I mean, it's really it, 
I can't recommend that enough, actually. Mm, I really love that. Um, what would you recommend? So if someone was wanting to start out their own business within the food and hospitality industry sort of now, what was kind of steps would you recommend for them to take um, just to get things off the ground? First of all, I'd recommend having experience. Um, I don't believe anybody should mm-hmm. um, open anything without that experience. Go and work in a restaurant. Go and work in a cafe manage somewhere see what it feels like because you might not like it I've, I've trained people before who wanted to open their own cafes and they've come on to manage with me and alongside me in the act that you know to see whether they like it and they've decided they haven't they don't want to do it and I think that you have to really love this job to do it so get the experience first um, because you'll also learn from other people and other people's money more importantly uh, their systems that they have in place you know I've worked in so many jobs I'm aware I'm aware as the waiter I'm aware as the member of staff what works and what doesn't I've learned what I like in a manager what I don't like in a manager um I've learned what um companies and suppliers people have been using you know all this stuff is really like important and you make notes of it whether in your mind on the spreadsheet whatever um you know, no one can just go into anything without having some kind of clue about what they want to do. But once you have all that, it's all about finding um, what's going to work for you. So for example, I didn't have any money to open this cafe. So I knew that I'd never be able to open something with a huge rent to cover. The risk is too high. So I, that's why I went to the council to see council properties. That's really important. Um, because and doing projections and forecasting I think that kind of thing is absolutely vital if you don't know your figures and you should know your figures off the top of your head then you know you you can't literally get into all the fun stuff like oh I really like that color teapot and oh wouldn't those cups look beautiful in the cafe like all of that means nothing if you don't know whether you can afford to buy it when you open a cafe it's and you do all the, the spreadsheeting of just maybe buying the equipment that you need, it gets expensive. So you need to know that you're going to have a great location. Location, location, location is key. Having a footfall, knowing what side of the road people cross, like to get to your place, all that kind of stuff is so important. Um, and to take your time. You know, if you if you can't find the right location, don't settle for something. This is going to be your your hub of everything. So, you know, be honest with yourself. If it's not the right deal, if it's not the right place, keep looking because you will find the right thing. You'll, you'll and you'll know. It's like buying a house. You'll know. You'll know when you walk in. Buying a house, lol. Not that I've even you know not at that point yet. But uh, <laughs> you know, when you when you rent a house, anything you know, you know when you know. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you sort of gave the tip as well of actually going to get some experience before even trying to get to a point of opening your own cafe, because I think that is so vital. And I think nowadays we have the liberty to be able to, if you want to, you can try working in quite a few different industries. We're not kind of tied to one career anymore, like perhaps you felt like you were back in the day. Like I know my parents, they kind of felt like once they'd committed to a career, it was almost like that was then until retirement, where it's like, I feel like now we are slightly more empowered to feel like we can change industries and to get different experience in different industries. So I love that tip. I think that is such a good takeaway. Um, I know from looking at you, I mean, I know anyway, but like on your Instagram page, I can just tell what an incredible community you've built up around the calf. What would you say are the best, what are your tips for help? Well, for building a great community Um, around your business? First of all, I guess maybe that's with the hiring thing is just genuinely caring about who you're serving. Um, It's, we often say as a team, like, oh, I wish I had a local cafe where I turned up and they knew my name and knew what I wanted to order and greeted me with a smile. That would be, that'd be so nice. <laughs> and I just think that just those little things. I mean, <laughs> it takes time to learn who you're serving. And um, I was just so ready to embrace it. I was so excited. Um, and it had been such a whirlwind that I, I kind of see the cafe as 
as being my house. You know, I love I love entertaining at home, and I kind of feel like anybody who comes to the cafe is essentially coming to my dinner party. And it's you know, as long as everyone's got some lovely food and a lovely drink and is having a great time, then we've kind of won. And um, and once you genuinely start caring, like oh, what's your name? Finding out the name of their partner, their children, their dog, you know, what their job is, what's happening for them in the day. You know, they want to come back and keep sharing their life, you know, and I share my life. And um, and then also just, I was just determined that the cafe wasn't going to be this elitist, snobby, snobby place where it was super overpriced. I'm not in this to be a millionaire. No one, no one in the little cafe like mine would be um I'm genuinely in this to have a nice life and um you know there's something on the menu for everyone and uh I think as soon as you kind of decide who your clientele is going to be you kind of you're kind of missing the point especially if you're looking for um a community spirit I mean where the cafe is situated is so lovely uh you know literally anybody who enters the park and come to the cafe and uh I'm just so grateful that I feel like we have an offering for everyone. So everyone is welcome. I mean, we also, you know, we help the homeless. Um, we talk to the people who don't come to the cafe, you know, that we don't, if people are in the park, we don't just ignore that they're there just because they're not drinking from us. You know, it's, um, it's about, you know, putting on events and, and just making everyone feel welcome. I think that, that that is key and just making sure that you're not subconsciously blocking anyone out either financially or um, creatively. I think that's important. Mm. Do you know what I love most about that? It's almost so simple. It's like going back to the basics of being a human and just building good connections with people. And it's something that I think nowadays in how busy society's become, everyone's living at such a fast pace. Almost those kind of things are overlooked, which is craziness because that is what builds the connection with people and builds that kind of like community spirit. So hopefully that'll be really um, well, the inspirational thing that changed my to everyone listening. I love community that. And the power of it because, you know, it's, it's a hard job. And then with the lock, first lockdown last March, you know, I, with nothing, no help or protection in place, I thought that's it. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose this business. and. I did a shout out for help and opened a crowdfunder and by God, the community came and rallied round and supported me and saved my business. You know, it was a career defining moment that I will never, ever forget. And um, without, I feel so blessed that I had built up that, um, that relationship over the years. I feel so devastated for all the biz new young businesses that hadn't had that opportunity, who had had the potential to be a community cafe, but just hadn't quite made it yet. I don't know how they would have gotten that level of support that I received. And I'll never take that for granted. Community is everything. <laughs> Yes, oh, I couldn't agree more. That's actually giving me goosebumps, like reminiscing oh, on that story. I remember following it really closely on social media at the time, and I was like, just so rooting for you guys. You know, I think it's funny because as a business, you rarely would have to be in a position to do kind of a shout out like that. But obviously, with the current state of the world or the way it was last year, it was kind of making everyone having to do these things that seemed so unnatural and so something that's sort of our comfort zone but it's just gone to prove like what an incredible impact you've obviously had on the community um the fact that well, they wanted to pay it back in such a lovely way remember that you know they're paying your wages they're paying your rent and we are nothing without the people that support us so you know it works both ways and it's really important to remember that yeah I really love that um, so just to change the conversation slightly, but what have been your biggest challenges so far, would you say, on your journey as an entrepreneur? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say finding an accountant I could trust. That was uh, that might sound like a weird one, but um, I I had a wonderful accountant who then sold their business to um a new accountancy firm and I was a client that went with them but I didn't know who they were and it turned out that they were totally negligent and terrible and uh, cost me a huge amount of money and a lot of stress and 
that went on for years and um you know I've now got the most amazing accountant who I just absolutely love and the difference in my life and my stress levels is just non-comparable really so get a good accountant um that was that was a challenge um and what else there's been quite a lot of um learning to let go a little bit I think is and accept help when you need it I think um sometimes you think that you are the all-seeing eye and you need to have 100% control of absolutely everything but you burn out there's no way you can be anywhere seven days a week 24 hours of the day um if you if you want a life um you need to trust in others and trust in your training that you can let go um i ended up taking my first holiday in like 14 years and i ended up going away for four or five weeks and i handed the cafe over to a dear friend of mine to look after for me while i went it was the, it changed everything um i got perspective i got a break i was able to get inspired about new recipes and try new foods and it, it gave the business a whole new lease of life and um yeah being able to just let go a little bit can actually be a huge benefit because you know you employ these people and they all come with fresh eyes and I you know I'm since then I've been very much a yes person I'm up for trying anything until I think it's not going to work I don't try I try not to say no as much as possible um yeah that's they're probably the best ones I can think of for now yeah, I love that. What well, um do you think you've sort of over the years have you gained any tips or any insights on how to achieve a bit of a better like life work balance because I know it's something that so many people struggle with. Um have you kind of managed to find any ways to be able to find a bit more balance with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the beginning I worked a lot. I mean, it was solid and I think you have to, you, you know, it's your baby. You need to invest anything with new life don't you um put all your heart and soul into it um I think yeah I think just having that first break was amazing and um also now there are days where I'm like I need this to be like my day off because you tend to work when you have a day off you're still answering emails and uh requests and taking calls and or thinking about ordering or you know a cake that I need to make or whatever it is it can be the tiniest thing but it really does infiltrate your day off so you know you do need a break and uh, things can wait and to have some perspective that it is just cake and coffee or whatever it is unless you're really <laughs> dealing with life and death scenarios you know things can wait a day um so yeah I try and be patient and realistic with myself um but I can't get everything done at all times sometimes you do just need to have a proper day off um and yeah just keep trusting in your team mm, I love that it's funny isn't it how we can always feel like a bit guilty as well for having days off which is madness really but like it's almost like you have that niggle in the back of your brain where you're like oh should I be doing something else but it's definitely a bit of a work in progress I think in this modern world like to try and balance everything that we have going on what would you say um, a typical working day looks like for you? Um, well, I get up early. Um, <laughs> uh, you have to be a morning person if you want to own a cafe. Uh, so I get up nice and early, take my little doggy for a walk, which is wonderful. And then I love opening the cafe. I always say good morning to the cafe. I find it very important to say hello to it. Uh, it does pay pay for my rent and my food um, and yeah, set the cafe up. Then I open the shutters at eight o'clock and um and normally i have a queue waiting for me which can be a bit of a struggle when i have if, especially if I, if I haven't had my first coffee and then uh, yeah we always have a big morning busy rush with customers coming to get their morning pastries and coffees and sandwiches and things and then we have a busy lunch rush and then i mean also working in hospitality you are a glorified cleaner so there's always a lot of cleaning to do especially at the end of the shift um and we close at about five o'clock and then it takes about an hour to close down get home have another snuggle with my dog 
have a glass of wine. Lovely jubbly. <laughs> sounds like the best day, to be fair. It sounds like a good way to spend the day. Do you find that, because I know your calf's sort of more, it's like outside, isn't it? Yeah. Do you find that the weather can affect your business oh, at all? huge amount. That was a massive struggle. It was very apparent. When I first opened, I didn't have any kind of outside uh, covering at all. So, and I didn't have any money really to invest in it. So I went to a local um, community charity organisation and said, look, can you help me? finance to get some decent awnings to cover the decking if any of you listening that don't know it basically the cafe is essentially a kiosk in a park uh, with big decking outside and um, so it's all outdoor seating and um, yeah once I got those awnings and I bought some heaters that was a real game changer for me the cold is fine the rain is a real problem Um, when it rains we really do struggle so um, yeah that i once we had a summer where it just rained every single weekend of the summer and it was it was really hard so I I mean I am very careful with my pennies um you know I and especially with COVID now I don't I don't trust in anything <laughs> you know the beast yeah. came and it, we were literally it was snowing inside the cafe and I was like right guys it's time to go home and but also to you know you have to be sensible if it starts raining and you think you know what, we're really not going to make any money you know it's pointless staying open so you know I have the confidence and I and I give my team the confidence to shut if they think that it's going to be too quiet yeah it must be hard as a business owner to make those decisions because obviously you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you're missing out on potential custom but equally it's kind of finding that balance of are we just standing here and getting pummeled by the weather and and potentially nothing you need to be consistent people need to know that you're going to be open otherwise they won't start they'll stop coming and I I do struggle with that sometimes especially in the winter you know when it suddenly hits minus one and we're you know all absolutely freezing you know that's not no one can work in that environment um and it's hard for customers to understand you know that we are an outdoor um you know we're the elements we're uh you know can be against us but um in general, consistency is key and uh, and just communication. Like I always try and make sure everybody knows what's happening, which is helpful. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it is almost like the basics, but so many people overlook things like that, which honestly make all the difference from a business perspective, mm-hmm. especially as a customer. Like like you say, you like to know that you can rely on going to your favourite cafe and things and knowing that it will be open. So um, it's definitely super important. I always love asking this question. It's honestly one of my favourite ones. But where do you see your business in five years' time and what are your goals for the future? Oh, gosh, hit me with a thumper. I know. Um, well, it, I mean, it's it's exciting. Well, the lease is actually up in the next two years. So, that, I mean, that will be 10 years I've had this business. Um, so then we start a new negotiation. So that's actually going to be really exciting to see, um, you know, whether we resign or not, because obviously the financials are everything. And if, you know, if the, you imagine a rent will go up. So I've got to take that into consideration. So there'll be some more forecasting for me. Um, I certainly intend to resign and uh, have it for another five years, but uh, I think by then my bones might be a bit too tired to work there. So I'll probably be branching out into um, another another franchise, shall we say, or or two. So uh, yeah, there is definitely some um, some opportunity to expand on the horizon. So uh, yeah, I might be stepping back from physically being there, but uh, certainly want to be um you know that at some point I know that I'm gonna try and seek another site so yeah watch this space oh so exciting I love the sound of that um and then I just thought we'd finish the interview with a question that I like to ask everyone that comes on the show so firstly what advice would you give to all of the incredible women out there who have entrepreneurial dreams of their own but are just a little bit too afraid to get started just keep listening to podcasts like this so helpful to hear other women's experience um you know you have to just really trust yourself like yourself and take advantage of your friends and the people that believe in you um you know you, you you can do anything you want you can do anything you put your mind to and if it doesn't work it's not the end you know 
you just do something else and try something different. Don't be too scared to fail. What's the worst that can happen? You just be sensible with your money. Money is precious and, you know, forecast, project, know your figures and you can't go wrong. Trust in yourself, trust in your instinct. You've got this 100%. Oh, I love that. It's almost making me want to go and start some other business. It's like it's making me think, what else can I do? Oh, I just love it. Um, and then my last question. So what does being a female entrepreneur mean to you? Um it's it makes me feel I do feel proud of myself, I have to say. I do there are moments where I look around and when I it's weird, it's you don't really realise it until you come across other other female entrepreneurs and there is this immediate Mm. sense of sisterhood and it's like this secret kind of acknowledgement between you which is like you did it well done you know it's an there is a lovely sense of respect there I mean you you know I've definitely felt at times that you know when I've spoken to maybe a a new supplier or a customer whatever it is that that you get the odd sense of things that if I was a man, you wouldn't be spoken to that way. Or, you know, people try and tell me how to do my job. And it's never women, it's always men. And, you know, there's a sense sometimes with other women that there's just this bond and sisterhood. And um, that's what I love about being a female entrepreneur is, you know, the fact that it's not seen as just a normal thing it's seen as like something different I mean that needs to change we need it needs to be more common and um and not a taboo certainly I mean I hope it isn't but sometimes it feels like it is still so um yeah I completely agree I think yeah oh I love that you've finished on that what a great way to end the podcast thank you so much Lizzie thank you so 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 much for taking the time to chat with me today um I've literally enjoyed our conversation so much and I think you've said so many gems of absolute wisdom that will be I'm sure many people will be taking notes from this episode so um, you two are an inspiration so you know oh bless you um you can follow Lizzie's journey over on instagram and the handle is at lizzie's on the green um obviously i'll be linking it all in the show notes um and all of the information so you can go and check her out for yourself and obviously if you're ever in the area i highly recommend that you go and visit the cafe um i'm not gonna lie i kind of wish i'd go now because the cake sounds so <laughs> tempting but <laughs> for now i have to put off my own dodgy home baking but <laughs> i'll give you some tips yeah i definitely need them um but thank you so much lizzie i've loved talking to you today and stay safe in lockdown take care thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode and want to keep up to date with the latest who and what she wants podcast episodes then please follow our instagram page which is at the handle at who and what she wants podcast or hit the subscribe button now. We hope to see you again soon.